I just want you to start with me over in Genesis uh, chapter 1. I mean, you know Genesis is always a good place to start. And uh, Genesis chapter 1, you either turn there in your Bible or scroll there. Hallelujah. You know, thousands of years ago, they used to scroll too. Yeah, seems that Solomon was right. There's nothing new under the sun. In 2021, we're still scrolling. In verse 26, it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image and our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. And listen to this, And God blessed them and said to them, the very first words here that man ever heard God speak or any other sound, be fruitful and increase in number. Be fruitful in what? Increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. I want you to see the introduction of the blessing, the empowerment of God. It literally means the power to succeed, the power to excel, the power to be fruitful, the power to increase in your life. From the very beginning, increase was on the mind of your God. From the very beginning, it was part of what he declared and decreed as far as the blessing goes. And how many understand if it was ever God's heart, it's still God's heart. It's hard to see when you're going through some things or in a season like the, the body of Christ has been through or this world's been through. But how many understand that COVID-19 didn't change the promises of God? What you see and observe what's happened doesn't change what God has said in his word. His heart is still about increase. And he's the one that has given that to us. You know, he's the one that is, is blessing us. He's the one that's providing for us. I mean, you know, even in this season, God has been good to us. Amen. Turn to somebody and tell them, God has been good to you. Do you believe that today? Say it one more time. My God has been good to me today and every day. Oh, he's a good God. I said he's a good God. Listen to this again. From the very beginning, God's will and heart was that you and I would increase. Back in those days, there weren't very many people, so how many know they couldn't have missed the message? The longer we have you know, fanned out and multiplied, the more we've become distanced from the heart of God on these matters. Now, if you and I were raised... Uh, in, a, in an Orthodox Jewish home, we would have been taught these things. But so many of you were, were taught, here's Adam, here's Eve, here's an apple on a felt board in Sunday school, and that was the end of it. But if you would have been taught according to the traditions and the truth of the Word of God to understand the Old Covenant, how many know that you and I have a better covenant than the Old Covenant? But just under the Old Covenant, God's heart and passion came through time and time again, he wants his people to increase. Say it with me. This means increase is God's will. Increase is on his mind. Amen. God's servants have left behind a legacy of increase in their own time. And I just want you to kind of read some scriptures with me today as a foundation. Go to Genesis chapter 12. And we know for sure that a man named Abraham increased because of his God. In Genesis 12, verse 1, the Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And those that bless you, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Immediately, God introduces the blessing again to Abraham and says, listen, you're going to go to where I tell you to go, and increase is going to come on your life. Now, real quickly, over to chapter 13, we just see how powerful your God is to accomplish his will. Verse 1, so Abram went up from Egypt and the Negev with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with him. Abram had become very what? Wealthy in livestock and in silver and in gold. What happened was he increased. The legacy of your father Abraham is increase. But it wasn't just Abraham that increased. His son Isaac also increased. Say it one more time. God's will is increase. 
In chapter 26, we know there's a famine going on in the land. Uh, Isaac was told to remain in that land. In verse 12 of chapter 26, Scripture says that Isaac planted crops in that land, and the same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. The man became rich, and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. Some of y'all walking around envying the guy from Amazon or from Microsoft, you know, or from this business or from that business. This particular day, all those people envied a child of God. Think about that. The legacy of Abraham was increased. The legacy of Isaac is also increased. Look at verse uh, 28. They answered, we saw clearly that the Lord was with you. How did they see clearly that the Lord was with them? Because they saw the increase on his life. It's so the tangible manifestation of the promise of God on his life and the legacy he inherited from his father Abraham. We saw clearly that the Lord was with you, so we said there ought to be a sworn agreement between us, between us and you, let us make a treaty with you. Then you will do us no harm, just as we did not molest you, but always treated you well and sent you away in peace. And watch this. And now you're blessed by the Lord. The legacy of Isaac was that he increased. I tell you, something happens when you get in a relationship with God. Listen to me, it matters whom you serve in this world. Scripture just doesn't talk about the legacy of Abraham and Isaac. It also talks about the legacy of Jacob. Just a real simple scripture over in chapter 30. Chapter 30 Verse 43 of Jacob, in this way the man grew exceedingly prosperous and came to own large flocks and maidservants and men servants and camels and donkeys. The scripture says he became exceedingly prosperous. Once again, the same way grandfather Abraham and father Isaac had a legacy of increase, Jacob also had a legacy of increasing in the Lord. Everybody say it with me, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I have an announcement to make to you. You serve the same God. You serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They had a legacy of increase. Go to chapter 39 of Genesis, and you'll see that even under persecution and pressure, Joseph still had a legacy of increase. Chapter 39. Verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered, and he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him, the Lord gave him success in everything he did. Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put everything in charge of his household, and he trusted care of everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had born in the house and in the field. So he left Joseph care, he left in Joseph's care everything he had, but Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. Joseph leaves a legacy of increase, even under persecution, even sold into slavery. Listen to me, when God is on your side, you can't do anything but increase. And it impacts other people as well. Abraham had a legacy of increase. Isaac had a legacy of increase. Jacob had a legacy of increase. Joseph had a legacy of increase. Go over to 1 Samuel, and we'll find out that David left a legacy of increase as well. 1 Samuel. Turn to somebody and tell them, serve God and you'll increase too. Samuel 18. Verse 14 of David, and everything he did, he had great success because the Lord was with him. When Saul saw how successful he was, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he led them in their campaigns. Do you see a commonality here? That King Saul and even the king of those who were the enemies of God's people, they saw something on these people. They saw there was a spirit of increase on them. Say it one more time. God's will is increase in my life. We see it in Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Joseph, and David, but we also see it in Solomon. Go to 2 Chronicles chapter 9. 
I just want to point something out to you. How many know that these things aren't in the Bible by accident? Okay. So you can start shouting anytime you want to. That he's no respecter of persons. He's merely a respecter of faith. And the reason we must teach on this is because faith comes by hearing. And hearing by what? By the word of God. What you hear and faith is developed in that area, you're capable of manifesting that particular promise in your life. But how many know that uh, God's increase and blessing on Solomon topped them all? Second Chronicles uh, chapter 9, you know that uh, Bathsheba brought him loads and loads of goods and gold. But I want you just to skip on down to verse 13 and just see this. This is the wealth and the splendor and the increase of Solomon. Now how many know when the Lord came to Solomon, he asked him, you know, ask anything of me. And Solomon, instead of asking for stuff, he asked for what? Wisdom actually to govern. And God said, because you asked me for wisdom to govern, I'm going to give you the wisdom. But guess what? I'm also going to give you increase. And I mean, did he give him increase? Now, before you just go off the rails and you're thinking, I want you to understand you're related to Solomon. You're in the same household as Solomon. Don't think of him as this far out creature over here that doesn't relate to you. Hallelujah. The same faith that saved him is the same faith that saves you. The same God that took care of him is the same God that can take care of you. No matter what's going on in your life. Amen. Say, he's the God of increase. And he knows where I'm at. Every once in a while, it's good to look at scriptures like this. The weight, verse 13, of the gold that Solomon received yearly was 666 talents. Does anybody have any idea how much that is? 25 tons. Let me read that again. The gold that Solomon received yearly was 25 tons. I guess you're starting to get the idea you can understand why God has streets in heaven that are made out of the stuff. And this is just a smidgen compared to what your father has. Not including the revenues brought in by merchants and traders. Also the kings of Arabia and the governors of the land brought gold and silver to Solomon. King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold 600 beckers of hammered gold, he went into each shield. He also made 300 small shields of hammered gold with 300 beckers of gold in each shield. That's about seven and a half pounds for the one shield of gold and three and a half pounds of gold in the other. Does anybody know right now the price of gold, an ounce of gold? Tends to fluctuate between about $1,500, $1,900 an ounce. And he's got how many shields? 600 of one and 300 of the other. Then the king made a great throne inlaid with ivory and overlaid with pure gold. The throne had six steps and a footstool of gold was attached to it. On both sides of the seat were armrests with a lion standing beside each of them. How many know that represents the lion of the tribe of Judah? And look at the steps. The lion stood on the six steps. Um, one at either end on each step. So you have the big ones here, and then you have six steps with two more per step. The scripture says that nothing like it had ever been made for any other kingdom. All King Solomon's goblets were gold. What does that mean? The things that he drank out of. And all the household articles in the palace of the force of Lebanon were pure gold. Nothing was made of silver. You're listening to this right now, you're thinking, I can't even get God to pay my electric bill. That's the problem. (laughs) Your thinking is is very, very small, and you're limiting the Holy One of Israel. And never in this Bible do I find God say, you know what, you just don't need that, Solomon. (laughs) Silver, the Scripture says, was of little value in Solomon's day. The king had a fleet of trading ships manned by Hiram's men. One every three years it returned, carrying gold, silver, and ivory, and apes and baboons. Apparently he was in charge of the St. Louis Zoo. I have no idea what he did. 
with the animals. King Solomon was greater in riches and wisdom than all the other kings of the earth. All the kings of the earth sought audience with Solomon to hear the wisdom of God that God had put in his heart. Year after year, everyone who came brought a gift, articles of silver, gold, robes, weapons, and spices, and horses and mules. Solomon had 4,000 stalls for horses and chariots. 12,000 horses. And they think there's something up in Lexington. How many horses? 12,000. He ruled over all the kings from the river to the land of the Philistines as far as the border of Egypt. The king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stones and cedar as plentiful as sycamore fig trees in the foothills. Solomon's horses were imported from Egypt and from all other countries. It tells you that we don't know exactly what the economy was of Israel in that day, but how many understand if silver is like stones, they were doing pretty well. My point is, all these men of covenant left a legacy of what? Increase. And can I tell you something that you need to understand? Because you have the same faith, you've been redeemed from the curse of the law, and you can have the same inheritance as your father Abraham walked in. Do you see this? If you believe, if you accept the Lord Jesus Christ, then you are part of that lineage, part of that family. But trying to encourage and instruct and talk Western Christians into the idea that somehow God actually is for their increase sometimes is like pulling teeth. We'll do it on our own, and we'll sacrifice everything, health and family, future everything, to pursue these things on our own when God all the time is saying, if you just follow me, I'll increase you. Amen. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 8 for a minute. And turn to somebody and say, this is just his foundation. This is just the introduction. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Verse 17, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember, do what? Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. He who gives you what? Every person in this room that claims Jesus Christ, raise your hand. If you claim him as your Lord and Savior, then God has the ability for you to gain increase. I heard a little thud of unbelief there, so let's try that one more time, class. <laughs> Raise your hand if you know you're right with God through Jesus Christ. Then you have the ability and power to increase. Amen. The point of the message today is, is to get to a list of seven things that may be blocking your flow. I just want you to understand what God's perspective is on this. It is he that gives you power or ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant which he swore to your forefathers as it is what? As it is today, and this is a perpetual promise. The, the point is that God promised to increase Abraham. He promised to increase Jacob. He promised to increase Isaac. He promised to increase David and Joseph. He promised to increase, you know, Solomon. And he has also promised to increase you. You've got to understand that, that this is a, a covenant promise of a holy God. And by giving you the ability and the power to increase, he's fulfilling the promise. How many like it when people keep promises to you? But how many know God's not a man that he should lie? The same God that promised it to them, you're functioning right now under even better covenant through Jesus Christ. And yet his people still wonder. I wonder if God cares about that kind of stuff. And part of it is, is, is plainly laid at the feet of preachers who have preached somehow that God doesn't care about these things. I'm telling you, God cares about everything. I'm telling you right now, he cares about that Christian businessman who's had nothing but bad news all year round. Everything under the sun has come against that man or that woman trying to just run that business and employ some people. Don't tell me God doesn't care about that person. Don't tell me God doesn't care about their increase. It's just that sometimes our eyes look to the wrong place. Amen? 
God promised these gentlemen that they would increase. And by the same token, because of the covenant you have with God through Jesus Christ, you also have been promised to increase. Watch this. How many believe that if you sin, he's promised to forgive you? Raise your hand if you believe that. How many know if you're sick, he has promised to provide healing, virtue, and power in your life? How many know that if you lack wisdom, according to James, he's promised to give it to you if you ask for it? How many believe he's promised that he's building a heavenly home for you, according to John 14? Do you believe that today? How many know he's promised that he's coming back again? Do you believe he's coming back for you? Then why don't you believe the promise that he wants to increase you? Same word, same God, same Bible. He has promised to increase you. Well, I sure wish he'd get about his business and do it. There are certain things that you and I have to get in line with. Are you here? But the essence is the same. When you do increase, he's saying, don't you take credit for it. I'm the one that gave you the power to get increase. You praise me when you increase. I'm the one that did it. But what does it do? All he's saying is you're increasing because the promise that I originally made to Father Abraham that you're benefiting from today as his heirs. You're supposed to increase, in other words. Say it, I am supposed to increase. And I'm not apologetic for that. I'm not ashamed of that. And it's all relative. You expect to be like Solomon? Well, listen, God can make you like Solomon, but how do you understand? Anywhere in between would be good. It's all relative. But the truth is you should be increasing for the glory of God. And according to 2 Corinthians 9, Paul said, who is also an heir to that same promise, that God, because of your generous hearts and your cheerful hearts, because you're quick to be you know, do-it-givers, that God is going to make you rich in what? In every way. So that you can be generous on what? Every occasion. And that, my friend, is where a lot of people wilt when it comes to increased teaching because they find out it involves their own stewardship and their own charitable heart and giving. You shouldn't stumble over that because if God gave you seed to sow, he'd give you more seed to sow. And when you sow that, he'll give you more seed to sow. Why? Because you're in a covenant of increase. Your seed is supposed to increase according to the Apostle Paul. And the good news for you and for me is that he has a plan to increase every one of his kids. It's his promise. You ever have a parent tell you they were going to do something and they forgot about it and you went up to them and said, but you promised. Come on, you know you did it. But you promised. How did you know to go and say that to them? Because you heard them say they were going to do this. And so you took them at their word. How much more should you take your Heavenly Father at His word? Mom and Dad made a promise to you. How many know that you should take God's promise all that much more? Seriously. He's given you the power to get wealth. He did that because the same inheritance of increase is on your life. Amen. Turn to somebody and say there's something on you. It is an anointing to increase. Amen. Now, if, uh, if you do become like Solomon, then make sure you remember Hope Harbor Church. We'll just, we'll just take a smack roll of that. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, let's move on with this. Say it with me. My family's legacy is increase. Say again, my family's legacy is increase. Let me talk about positioning yourself for increase just a moment. These are just generalities here. that They're critical that you kind of check the boxes off on. Then I'm going to talk about seven things that can block your increase flow and what to do about it today. Turn to somebody and say, I have an inquiring mind. I want to know. Number one, the position is, first of all, obey the word, because increase is tied to honoring the word of God. I'm not going to go through all scripture and all the commands of God, but the bottom line is, it's very simple. We tend to know the thing that we're not doing that we're supposed to be doing. We tend to know the thing that we what? 
should do that we're not, or vice versa. You and I have a keen sense when God is speaking to us by His Word. It's just about being honest and making that thing right. How do you understand that the disobediences in this room can be as varied as the day is long? We have no idea what God's dealing with you about. But the bottom line is, if you're going to walk in this increase, you have to have a position generally where you're obeying the Word of God. Number two, maintaining your love walk. Because the love of God is the primary law of the land. I wish I could help people that just love to get offended, love to get put out. They're always upset about this or that. They don't understand that the increase in anointing can't work outside of love. It just doesn't work. Fact is, our faith works by love, and so does increase. You walk in love. You love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, and you love your neighbor as yourself. And you take this seriously. It's really kind of simple if you're thinking like this. You know, um, if, if David has is, is got me upset, which he hasn't, he's just sitting on the front row, and that's always a dangerous place to sit. <laughs> and, amen. Some of y'all are like, yeah, that's why I'm back here. Amen. I'm out of, I'm out of reach. Oh, I got long arms, man. I got long arms. <laughs> but have this mentality. Okay, so you didn't like something. So first of all, do what Scripture said. Go talk to them according to the Word of God. Operate in forgiveness and love. If that doesn't help you, help motivate you, let this motivate you. You know what, David? You know what? It's not worth me risking my increase to stay offended at you. Right. And some of you are your own worst enemies. You say, well, Pastor, I've been here. Well, I ain't heard you put it like that, or I've never been here before, I've not been here very long. It doesn't make a difference how long you've been here. It's what you do with what you do here. Yeah. And the bottom line is that person is not worth your increase. Yeah. And if you think they're worth your increase, you really need to have a value adjustment in your life. Yeah. They're already filling your mind. They're already torching, you know, your peace. Don't give them your increase. Yeah. Amen. Just let them go. Remember what Dr. Barkley said? Flush. <laughs> and get back to work. Amen. And move on, because they're not worth it. Turn to somebody and say, I love you. But you're not worth my increase. Praise God. Obey the word of God. Walk in love. Number three, tithe the tithe. It's called the increase exchange. I love to tell you there's a pathway to the increase of God, you know, outside of the concept of honoring God with the first fruits of all your increase, but it's just not there. And let me tell you something. If, if a doctor knew how to deal with something in your life, maybe it was incurable, maybe it was very rare, maybe a limited number of people had that knowledge, and that doctor actually had that ability to save your life and withheld that information or withheld that treatment, you would say that's medical malpractice at the very least. It may be even murder. It's the same thing when people hold back vital revelation from you because they're afraid of you getting mad or afraid of you leaving or afraid of people calling you money hunger or money thirster or whatever the case may be. We can't be concerned about our reputations as preachers because we have something that will change your life if you'll get it. You tithe the tithe because it honors God. You tithe the tithe because it means that God's now in your business. You tithe the tithe because it comes with tithers' rights. You tithe the tithe because God has always blessed throughout Scripture. The tither, the first thing Abraham wanted to do when he met Melchizedek was give him a tithe or a tenth of everything, and Melchizedek blessed him that day. Part of that was increase. How many of you believe that Abraham is your forefather in the faith? What did your forefather do? Tithe the tithe. Why is this important teaching, Pastor? Because some people think tithing is under the law. Abraham tithed 400 years before the law was given. Yeah. Jacob, 300 years before the law was given. The tithe has nothing to do with the law. The law comes in later and reinforces that. But Jesus reinforces this practice of tithing. And find Matthew 23 when he tells the Pharisees, you tithe, that's great, but also practice justice and love and mercy. In other words, do both. Jesus never eliminated the principle of the tithe. Say it with me. The word, love, the tithe, they're my foundation. 
Isn't it fun to actually get a given receipt and be shocked at how much you actually sowed into the kingdom of God? Versus open it up and go, dear God, I didn't do anything. <laughs> or dear God, you know, what was I thinking? How I many you know that our giving statements don't lie? We know what we make. We know what God's you know, responsibility is in terms of the, the things of God. We just, we know or, or we don't know. We understand or we don't understand. I'm telling you this today. This is not something that's, that, that hurts people. This helps people tremendously. Turn to somebody and say, tithe the tithe. Come on, say it again, tithe the tithe. You'll never regret it, and God will continue to increase you in your life. Turn to somebody and tell them it's the word, it's the love, it's the tithe. Number four, believe you're supposed to increase. You see, today say, I believe Abraham had a covenant of increase. I believe that Jacob had a covenant of increase. I even believe that Isaac had a covenant of increase. I believe that Joseph and David and Solomon had a covenant of increase. I can even believe that Paul, even when Paul was on his worst day in shipwreck, God, through the covenant of increase, supplied him everything he needed to go finish his mission. Even Paul had a covenant of increase, but I'm not sure that I do. See, I can't help you if you don't believe that. Say it like this, I have a covenant of increase with my God. And number five, pass the increase test. Say, what is that? When the Lord comes and gives you a directive, obey immediately, exactly, joyfully, and faithfully. Say it with me, immediately. Well, one day I'll get around to doing that. No, do it immediately. Do it exactly. Do it joyfully. Do it faithfully. In other words, Scripture says if you're willing and obedient, not just doing something, but you're doing it from the heart. Notice that God told Abraham he had to leave where he was at. Did Abraham do what he was told? Yes, and he was increased because of it. Now, on the opposite extreme, Isaac was told to do what? Stay where you are. And what happened to him? Increase came on his life. Why? It's not about staying or leaving. It's about doing what God tells you to do. Increase is attached to actually honoring what he said. So you, you honor him in your life by doing it immediately, exactly, joyfully, and faithfully. Now, Sunday mornings, I'm not uh, real motivated about mundane things and ordinary things. And I was in a hurry to come to church and take care of some things that I was meditating upon. And Kelly asked me with that sweet little voice of her, would you mind taking the dog out? I confess, I love that dog. I love that dog. I love that dog. I love that dog. Hallelujah. I'm not going to let that dog steal my increase. No, I am not. Hey, you know, it's no big deal. We share the responsibility, but I was you know, about to walk out, and I, I could hear the Holy Ghost. Look at somebody and say, uh-oh. <laughs> Turn to somebody and say, uh-oh. It's only an uh-oh if that's your perception of God's correction and direction. But when it's tied to his best for your life, it's something else altogether. Well, I do take that dog out. Yes, I do. And, uh, yes, amen. So I can, I can hear him say, take the dog out for your wife. And it was almost just like that. Look at somebody and tell him, take the dog out for your wife. Now, how do you know that's not a big deal? In terms of labor and time, very minor, minor, minor inconvenience. But if you're going to preach this, then you're going to have to live it. And it could be a really huge, big deal, or it could be something real simple. At that point in time, it was not simply a request from a spouse. At that point in time, it was a directive. So I went in, and I wasn't mumbling or anything. And just picked him up, took him out, took care of him, and then I, then I left. But I knew... It was a bigger deal to the Lord than it was to me. Say immediately, immediately. Faithfully. faithfully, cheerfully, cheerfully. 
That's what we need to be doing as a foundation for increase. Um, come on, raise your hand if you know the Lord's ever told you to do something simple, but it was an inconvenience for you, or you had a better plan, or you, you pretended you didn't hear God. That's always a good one. <laughs> Suddenly, I can't hear from God. I'm in the cone of spiritual silence. I can't hear, hear nothing. I see nothing. <laughs> when you do too know you heard precisely what you were supposed to do. Now, to leave your country, to stay in your country, those could be bigger. But I'm going to tell you this, and listen very carefully. That's not what's getting a lot of Christians in trouble with their increase. Right? If I'm told to leave my family and leave my country like Abraham, it's important that I do so. But the same God that told Abraham, are you here today? Leave his family and leave his country told me to take the dog out. And don't look at me with that holy tone. So to God, is it important? It's very important that on the plain things of Scripture, but also day-to-day, the directives. We don't stumble over this thing and lose our increase. So, I'm just going to pick that dog up when I go home, and I'm going to say, you're not worth losing my increase. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Now, that's the foundation for this. I want you just to say them out loud with me. The foundation for my increase Obey the word. Maintain my love. Tithe the tithe. Pass. I believe I'm supposed to increase. Pass the increase test. Can you do that? But watch this. In number four here, I, I can't make you believe. It's like I could be talking to somebody whose life is totally messed up. They've tried every religion. They've tried every philosophy. You know, they've tried every substance to try to dull the pain and and self-medicate. But I can't make them believe in the Jesus I just told them about. They can walk away rejecting him. It's the same thing today. All I'm saying to you, if you have confidence in one area of the scriptures, have confidence in the other areas of scripture. Your forefathers, their legacy is increased, and your legacy is supposed to be increased. In fact, the scripture says that what? A good man leaves an inheritance to his what? Children's children. It's still the spirit and the culture of the kingdom of God. Listen to this scripture, Proverbs 11.31. Behold, the righteous shall be recompensed in the earth. The righteous shall be what? Recompensed where? In the earth. There are people here that believe one day in the sweet by and by, God will increase me. No, God will increase you where? Certainly you'll be increased in heaven. You'll have it all. And it will never fade away. Everything that's of real value will be there, of course. But you'll be recompensed according to Scripture where? Here. It also says the wicked will also be recompensed where? They think there's just an eternal recompense. There's also an earthly recompense for not serving God. But I'm glad you serve him. It says the righteous will be recompensed in the earth. Raise your hand if you're righteous. That doesn't mean perfect. It means you're in right standing with God through Jesus Christ. Amen? Well, the time that I have left, I want you to write these down. Where to look when the increase flow is stopped up. Now, honestly, raise your hand if you've ever felt like your increase flow was stopped up. Something is stopping up the flow. You can be honest about that. And if you don't raise your hand, I want you to come here and tell me what it is to have it all together. Where's my microphone? All together, never a problem. Let me try one more time. Raise your hand if you ever felt like something was stopped up. It wasn't flowing like it should be, and you didn't really understand why. Well, these things will help you today. Where to look when the increased flow is stopped up. Number one, look for some unfulfilled command. You were told to do something, and you never got around to doing it. Um, could be as simple as take the dog out, or could be monumental in your eyes. How I many you know when God told Abraham to take his son, his one and only son, the covenant you know, son of promise, and go up the mountain and sacrifice him? How I many understand that was a hard thing to ask? But yet at the same time, that's exactly what God was doing with his own son. God provided 
the sacrifice that day. God provided the sacrifice for you and for me. That's monumental. But again, that's not really the things that are, that are, that are keeping us from flowing in an increase. I love uh, uh, recently I was at uh, you know, a restaurant with Tim, and second time now that he's been there, this same veteran's been there eating by himself, and twice now Tim has took, took his ticket for him. That veteran must think he's like super veteran or something like that every time he walks in. <laughs> and how I many know that's a great thing to honor our vets like that? What happens when you just listen to God? Now, you know, you could do something out of benevolence of your heart. The prompts can be there or not. But when the prompt is there, you better do what God tells you to do, especially when it comes to sowing and blessing other people because God's not trying to take from you. He's trying to increase the flow. Does that make sense? And how many know during COVID-19, there are a lot of people out there hurting. And you say, well, I'm hurting too. Well, they may be hurting worse than you. You may have more than they do. Sometimes it's not even a fiscal thing or a material thing. It's a word of encouragement. They can make it. They can do this. God is for them, not against them. When when the flow is stopped up, ask God for some unresolved command that he gave you. Pastor, he may take me back to 1989. He might. You know what I found out? He got a long memory. And if you blew him off five years ago, ten years ago, and things aren't flowing right, he will take you back to that time. I told you to do this, 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 and this. And if it's possible because the circumstances in the earth could change, person couldn't be there anymore, whatever, uh, that you, you backtrack and you deal with this thing. He's not trying to hurt you. He's trying to help you. Yeah. How do you know the Holy Ghost knows everything? He knows every time you blew God off. Now, which is it? Which is stopping up the flow? He's the only one that can tell you that. Any person who says that they can, they're not God. Aren't you glad that God is God? Aren't you glad the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit and not some human being? How many know I've met some people that thought they were? Turn to somebody and tell them, you're not my Holy Spirit. Number two, your soul's not prospering, according to 3 John 2. Beloved, I wish that above all things thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as what? Your soul prospers. What does that mean, Pastor? It means that your mind is being renewed in the Word. It means that your will is fully submitted to God. And it means your emotions are under the leadership of the Spirit of God. You're not running an emotion-ruled life. People who are ruled and run by their emotions, it's very difficult for them to increase the way that God wants them to increase. Again, it's just check this up. See what's going on. Are you prospering? Are you growing in faith? Is your relationship with God right? Are you seeking? Are you talking to him? Are you in the word? Are you coming to church like you should? There's so many things, you know, to, to check the box off. But I'm telling you that, that, you know, you and I just can't make our own way and do our own thing and expect God to pour out that inheritance on us. We have to be willing to be willing. Can I have an amen? amen. Number three, non-giving or interrupted giving patterns. Non-giving or interrupted giving patterns. If you want inter- uninterrupted blessing and flow, you've got to continue doing what God told you to do. But there are people in the body of Christ, they start and they stop. And they start and they stop. They give and they don't give. They sow and they don't. They tithe, then they don't. God cannot increase you with that kind of a mindset. Just make up your mind it is God's will for you to be a tither and a sower and just engage and then stay with it. I run into people, you know, that started this journey when, when we did and, and we haven't been perfect about anything through all the years. But how do you understand you can't have a perfect heart and be correctable? But I can tell you that 10, 20, 30 years go by in the same, same pattern, start and stop, start and stop, start and stop, start and stop. But guess what? It's the starters that never stop that are really starting to see the big blessing of God. So don't, tell the, don't let the devil tell you it doesn't matter. It does matter. And any preacher that tells you it doesn't matter is lying to you. It matters. That you are a consistent giver. And it may be that, that the starting and the stopping is what's you know, stopped up the flow of increase in your life. Turn to somebody and say, don't stop. Just keep doing it. Come on, say it. Don't stop. Keep on doing it. 
Because every time you do, you're interrupting the flow. You're damming up the flow of God's blessing in your life. Number four, carrying and harboring unforgiveness in your heart. Everybody take your hand like this. Kiss your increase goodbye. Let's all do it together. Ready? One, two, three. Just kiss your increase goodbye. You made the decision that unforgiveness and bitterness was more important to you than increase. There's no way you're going to be able to increase. I want to just assert to you again, the price of holding unforgiveness is too high. The price of offense and unforgiveness is too high. Amen? What was that famous Disney movie the other day? It came out in the song, what's it say? Frozen, let it what? Let it go. There's some Christians that really need to listen to that. Just the chorus. <laughs> Number five, a pessimistic attitude. It's reflected in your words and in your mind. Do you know that we attract what we expect? If you go around talking to yourself, well, that was the attitude, nothing's going to work for me. I'll never increase. That gossip doesn't happen to me. I won't increase. It seems all the good happens to other people. You're going to attract exactly what you expect. It's a spiritual principle that every one of us are subject to. Come on, say it with me. I get what I expect. Come on, say it again. I get what I expect. What should you be expecting? You should be expecting to increase like Abraham, your father. You should be expecting to increase like Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and David and Solomon. There's an amen in there somewhere. You should be increased. You should expect to increase. You are a child of God. Your family legacy is what? Is increase. Not pessimism. Not this won't work for me. Nothing ever goes well for me. That's what you expect. How many of y'all ever heard of Murphy's Law? Pastor Murphy's Law, I wrote it, bless God, I'll tell you that. Whatever can go wrong will go wrong. Isn't that a wonderful way to live? Get up in the morning this week, brand new week, whatever can go wrong will go wrong. Well, how about adopted a Bible mentality? Get up tomorrow morning and say, whatever can go right will go right. Come on, say it with me. Whatever can go right will go right. It's going right. And if it goes wrong, I'll rebuke it and believe God to turn it around. And you'll start to see things pop in your life that the enemy has been resisting or holding back. Now, it's very important you understand this. We get what we expect. That's why people that are positive and prayerful in the end do well in, in chronic situations or in acute health situations or crisis or traumas. Those that are, that are prayerful people and expecting to get out of that it helps. They'll even tell you that now scientifically. That prayer, expectant prayer when somebody is ill actually increases their odds tremendously. Just in the natural they'll tell you that. Turn to somebody and say, I'm expecting. I am expecting to increase just like my forefathers. Number six, everybody's favorite, slum living. This doesn't mean you live in a project or in a 50-year-old you know, trailer. This doesn't mean that everything's falling apart in your house. Slum living refers to your lifestyle. If you're a person of faith and there's compromise, lasciviousness, looseness, you're unable to put the brakes on in your life, that's what that means, then you have a real good idea what's stopping the flow in your life. Those that are called of God should live holy lives. Separated lives, consecrated lives. That is going to help you. Now, if you're out there doing something and you're involved in something mentally or physically in your behavior and in your associations, and you know that it's not of God, that kind of lifestyle will block your increase. How do you understand? God really does reward the righteous, He really does honor holiness. If that's you, you've got your answer. And number seven is subtle, but it's important. Mixed signals. You missed, better, you have missed signals, not mixed, missed signals from God. He's directing you, correcting you, redirecting you. He tells you to take or not take a path, and you miss it. 
Or what a lot of people do these days is thinking they have to help God out with the increase, they'll take a path that God never ordained for them. And then maybe we'll fulfill every kind of fleshly desire and, and, and pleasure. But if it's not God's path, you can't increase like God wants you to increase. I'm so thankful that years ago God gave me this revelation that he has my life laid out. He has your life laid out as well. And how many know he didn't lay out some devastating life for you? The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But you just stay on your path. And if there's a fork in the road, he'll tell you which way to go. If there are three choices, he'll tell you which way to go. And your job is just to pick up on those signals and do what he tells you to do. And don't decide you're tired of him, you're tired of him driving now, and you want to drive for a while, so you start making all the decisions and start giving yourself the directions. He's not obligated to bless that. Oftentimes, he's merciful in the church. Come on, raise your hand if you ever intentionally took a wrong path. You knew it was the wrong way to go, but you did it. A couple of you. The rest of you are going to hell for lying because... <laughs> And he's merciful, even in situations like that. To experience his best, though, is to do what he tells you to do. And I want you to see this. Imagine this little map in your mind, this little path, a road through the forest and around the mountain, you know, and through this and through that. And on that path is every good thing God has for you. Relationships you're supposed to have. Anointings and gifts you're supposed to have. Victories you're supposed to have blessings you're supposed to have, they're on that path. How do we engage that path? Our only choice now is to make a decision to go with this path or against this path. But if you'll stay on it, there are good things there for you. You'll run right into them. You don't have to cheat or finagle. You don't have to get into the flesh. You don't have to try to make your way. All you have to do is just stay on the path. Do you believe that the blessings of Abraham are yours? Come on, let me ask you again. Do you believe? The blessings of Abraham are yours. They're on the path that God has created for you. God had a path for Abraham. God had a path for Isaac. God had a path for Jacob. How many know God had a path for Joseph? And it led right into the prime minister of Egypt's seat. Do you see this? All you have to do is just keep walking with him. And increase will come on your life. Amen. So... If it's not flowing like it's supposed to, look at the foundation, but then look at those specific seven areas to see if there's something there. Now, how many with a raised hand can relate to at least some of these? Okay. How many can relate to all of them? How many know we just need to repent right now? Just right now. Just, just. Isn't it wonderful that we can repent? I want you to stand at your feet and give him a big hand clap and thank him.